Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. An all-powerful sheik, a princess's daring bid for freedom, and an Irish president who was horribly tricked. The remarkable story of Princess Latifah could be straight from a children's fantasy book, but the young woman's plight is all too real. I'm, I'm a hostage and uh, this villa has been converted into a jail. All the windows are barred shut. I can't open any window. I've been by myself, solitary confinement. Um, no access to medical help. No trial, no charge, nothing. The distance from Dublin to the Dubai Palace for Latifa is reportedly locked up is 8,000 kilometres. But it's a journey former President Mary Robinson made for lunch in 2018, a trip she now says she's deeply embarrassed about. You know, I care about my reputation, you know, um, uh, I care about my integrity. I made a mistake. I let my heart lead my head. I went to help a friend. Uh, I, I was naive. I should have been more alert. And the Irish link to this story doesn't end there. Sheikh Mohammed, a powerful figure in the horse racing industry, is one of this country's biggest landowners. I'm Kevin Doyle and you're listening to In Focus, the current affairs podcast from independent.ie. In this episode, I'm joined by Kim Bielenberg, who has extensively covered the mystery of Princess Latifah and the Irish connections to her story. After two failed escape attempts from her father's regime and a string of secret videos, we still don't know the fate of Princess Latifah. Kim, Princess Latifah has been back in the news again in recent weeks because of new photographs that have emerged on Instagram. But take us back to the beginning of her extraordinary story. Who is Princess Latifah? The princess is the 35-year-old daughter of Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid Al Maktoum, who's the fabulously wealthy and authoritarian ruler of Dubai. You know, the city-state is familiar to Irish people going on holiday or on business and is a sort of glitzy part of the United Arab Emirates. Latifa, she's one of 30 children born to the six wives of the sheikh. And his fortune is estimated, I think the family fortune, at around 18 billion euro. And what claims has she made about her treatment at the hands of her father and presumably those around him? Well, covering this story for the review section in The Independent, I, I got in touch with her close friend, Tina Yahuyainen, who actually taught her martial arts. And Tina told me that Latifa, from a quite a young age, had her freedom severely hampered. She's tried to escape from Dubai on at least two occasions. And at various times, she's been imprisoned, kept in solitary confinement. After her first escape, when she was very young, 
She was in prison for over three years and, and she claimed that during that time she was tortured and beaten. Now you say the Sheikh has 30 children, uh, a fortune of 18 billion or, or something like that. Why would it matter to him what one of his many children does with her life? I think it's perhaps an authoritarian attitude to women, very controlling attitude to women, daughters, wives. They're very much kept under the thumb. They're not given much freedom. And that's a criticism across the board, I think, with Dubai, despite its modern image. And of course, the Sheik has links to Ireland, which makes this story even more intriguing in many ways. We'll talk about former President Mary Robinson a little later, but it's it goes much deeper than that. It's financial as well, isn't it? Yeah, he is one of the biggest landowners in Ireland. He owns, the family owns 6,000 acres, making him one of the biggest, also one of the biggest claimants of EU farm subsidies. And his business here is centred around horse breeding and horse training, the Godolphin operation. So, and that would employ a lot of people here as well in his stud farms and his training operations. So Kim, Tina and Latifa have been working on what I suppose we could call the Great Escape. What was the plan? Well, actually, she'd been planning this for years by getting in touch with a French intelligence officer called Hervé Jobert, who was going to help her by meeting her out at sea just off the coast of Oman. The plan was that she and Tina would drive to Oman and travel out to sea, meet this boat. The boat would travel across to India and she would fly from there to the United States. What happened was they met in a cafe, tried to deflect attention that they were just following their normal routine. One morning in late in February 2018, they drove to Oman. They had this rather difficult journey out to the yacht by jet ski and by dinghy. And they boarded boarded the yacht, met up with the skipper, and they were on their way and they hoped that that was it, that they would get away. Things were looking good, but like everything with this story, it wasn't that straightforward. No, I mean, yeah, the trip was going well, but then the captain of the Nostromo yacht, uh, Hervé Jobert, noticed that there was a surveillance plane flying overhead. And also he noticed that the boat was being followed, but they continued on their way. They were just nearing the coast of India. They weren't far away from their destination. Tina and Latifa were in their cabin at about 10 o'clock at night when they heard what they thought were gunshots, as Tina recalled. The boat was stormed by um, Indian commandos who had machine guns. Um, they were threatening to shoot us. Uh, it was extremely, extremely scary. And obviously, um, afterwards, Latifa was trapped away, uh, kicking and screaming. Her pleas for asylum were ignored. And then after that, um, myself and the rest of the crew were uh, kidnapped as well. So Princess Latifa was dragged away, kicking and screaming. What happened to her? Well, she was grabbed, tranquilized, and 
put on a helicopter, I think, initially, and then a plane and flown back to Dubai, where she was held captive and has been for a long time since. And all of this was happening without any really global attention or media attention or really anybody knowing outside, presumably, of some people within the palace of of Dubai until something quite remarkable happened. Yeah, she was quite an astute Latifa. So she took the precaution and it proved to it has proved to be crucial so far in attracting attention of filming a video giving her kind of life story so that people would know what had happened to her in case she was captured and there she had the video where she sets out what her life was like in Dubai um and I'm making this video because it could be the last video I make Pretty soon, I'm going to be leaving somehow. And I'm not so sure of the outcome, but 99% positive it will work. And if you are watching this video, it's not such a good thing. Either I'm dead or I'm in a very, very, very bad situation. Princess Latifah is back in Dubai, a prisoner once again, when that video is released. But what happened to Tina and the other members of the crew who were on that boat? Well, it was very difficult for them. They were in a very difficult situation. I mean, Hervé Jobert, the captain, had a gun pointed at his head and he was beaten up. I think some of the other crew members were beaten up as well. And Tina and the crew were then taken by boat back to Dubai. Tina was interrogated for two weeks and she was told... You know, she could have no access to her family or her lawyers and she might even face a life sentence or even a death penalty. The story becomes very big in Ireland because former President Mary Robinson somehow ends up in the middle of it. How did that happen? Well, Mary Robinson said that she had known and worked with Princess Haya in her capacity as a member of the UN Global Humanitarian Forum. So she was really a a friend of Haya's. Haya is one of the wives of Sheikh Mohammed, or was one of the wives of the Sheikh. And she had two younger children with him. And she also has very strong links with Ireland. She moved in horsey circles and she jumped, actually, she rode in the Dublin Horse Show back in the 90s when she was a young woman before she met the Sheikh or, or married the Sheikh. She, she's actually the daughter of the King of Jordan. My time in Ireland was um, some of the happiest days of, of, of my life. I really, really enjoyed it um, there. I trained in um, County Mead in Ireland with Paul Dara. Um, in the early 1990s and come through to 1997. Um, my late father, His Majesty King Hussein, sent me there because I had a dream um, to be a professional athlete and to represent my country. Um, and I spent the, the, the most formative years of, of, of my life in, in, in Ireland. I love the Emerald Isle. I love the people. I have many, many friends um, and such good memories. Princess Haya invites Mary Robinson to lunch in Dubai and the former president, former UN High Commissioner, gets on a plane and goes to that lunch. What happened? Well, it's it's hard to explain explain exactly why she went, but she said in a subsequent BBC interview 
that she had flown to meet the princess and she had been asked by Princess Haya to solve a family dilemma. Mary Robinson su suggested that Latifa was a vulnerable, troubled young woman. These were remarks that she later regretted, actually. But they took photos of Mary Robinson with Latifa, and these were subsequently published. And Mary Robinson felt subsequently that she'd actually been tricked. She firmly regretted afterwards what had happened. There were huge questions around Mary Robinson and how what some saw as her be allowing herself to be exploited. And it reached a point where Princess Haya went on RTE and had to explain to Marion Finucane at the time exactly what had happened and try and put up a defence for Mary Robinson. I really wanted to get the right advice from Mary on, on, on how to move to, to, to move forward. I made the call um, on, a, on, on a Tuesday and explained to her the, the, the difficulties that, the, that, that I saw and the heartbreak um, that I see around me um, and asked, asked her to, 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 to come and to give me advice because that's, that's the thing that I, I really valued from a person with, with her integrity, with, with her track record um, that is unblemished. But of course, Mary Robinson wasn't unblemished after this came because her reputation took a battering. Yeah, she was criticised a lot about this. And as I said, like she regretted it afterwards, the meeting. It could be said that the former president was in effect used as a cover by the regime in Dubai, holding a young woman captive. Tina actually told me she was upset to see the pictures at the time, but She's recently been in touch with the former president and enlisted her support to have her released. Tina says she's she's a well-connected person and can use all her contacts, so I'm hoping that she is going to help us. That's what Tina said. Robinson has indicated that she will. She went on The Late Late Show recently to try and explain the situation as she sees it now, I suppose, and put forward that she will work on Latifa's case now. I'm on a mission in the sense I've, I, I've been in touch with Simon Coveney. She needs political support. She needs to know that if she, the more she presses now, as, as I hope she will be able to, yes. uh, the better. Life of Dubai's billionaire ruler has reportedly fled to London with her two children. She's currently in hiding in London, allegedly in fear for her life. When Princess Haya invited Mary Robinson to that lunch and in all her comments that she made publicly afterwards, it very much felt like she was supportive of the Sheikh's regime and very much defensive of what he was trying to do for Princess Latifa. But not long afterwards, she's in the UK and she's painting a very different picture in the British courts. Yeah, I mean, by the spring of 2019, the whole mar marriage seems to have fallen apart and Princess Haya was really worried about her own situation. She felt that she was being intimidated. She had started an affair with a British bodyguard. And as a result of that, she had all these sort of veiled threats, like a gun was left on her pillow with a safety catch off. A helicopter landed outside her house and she was told that she was going to be taken to a remote desert prison and it was this point I think that she felt that she had to get away with her two kids so she fled to 
Britain in fear of her life, as she told people. And as part of those divorce proceedings, the judge laid down a ruling that proved very significant in terms of Latifah's situation as well. Yeah, I mean, the judge made a very damning ruling, really, because he found that Sheikh Mohammed was responsible for the abduction not only of Latifa, but also of Shamsa, an older sister who had also been abducted in Britain many years ago. She, she's quite a bit older than Latifa, actually. And on the, as far as Haya was concerned, the judge found that he had acted in an intimidating manner. In terms of Latifa, the judge found the allegations of serious physical abuse amounting to torture to be credible. So, Kim, what do we know now about Princess Latifa's whereabouts? Well, there was a video that emerged in February. It was really very disturbing and it was very remarkable that Latifa managed to get it out to her friends. She was filmed in captivity somewhere in the middle of Dubai and this film was released and emerged in a documentary on Panorama. I'm, I'm a hostage and uh, this villa has been converted into a jail. All the windows are barred shut. I can't open any window. I've been by myself, solitary confinement, no access to medical help, no trial, no charge, nothing. So that was February when that video came out. Then a lull again, everything goes quiet. And now, all of a sudden, photographs have started to emerge on Instagram. Yeah, I mean, after the video and people were very disturbed by that, then in recent weeks there have been much more hopeful signs when pictures of her appeared on the Instagram account of a former member of the British Royal Navy, Cyanid Taylor. And the shot is set up so you know that it was something that was taken recently or we're led to believe it's something taken recently because it's in a cafe in a shopping centre. In the background is a cinema with adverts for a recent Demon Slayer movie. And that was obviously to show that it was recent. There were also masks in, in the shot. So people can draw from that, I suppose. They hope it's genuine. It might have been staged. You don't know the circumstances really in which it took place. And obviously there is still a big international campaign um, to free Latifa and, and to have her released. But you've done some inquiries in Ireland because you started out by telling us that the Sheik has quite the footprint here. He has a lot of land. He has a lot of interests in the horse racing industry. But there isn't a lot of noise here about what has happened. Yeah, I mean, he's one of the biggest horse breeders in Ireland and also involved in training operations. His base is in Kildare, in Kildangan. But really, the horse racing authorities, in contrast to the British authorities, haven't really said anything about it. The British horse racing authorities said they were concerned about the footage. Sheikh Mohammed is an honorary member of the Turf Club, and there's no moves to get rid of him from that. Um, Horse Racing Ireland have said absolutely nothing about it. They condemned the trainer Gordon Elliott for sitting on a dead horse earlier on in the year, but they wouldn't comment even this week when I contacted them to talk about what Sheikh Mohammed had done to his daughters and other members of his family. 
And then you mentioned the photographs on Instagram. They have given people some hope that things are looking up for Latifah. But I suppose like many parts of this story and as Mary Robinson learned, it can be very hard to take things at face value when you're dealing uh, in the United Arab Emirates. Yeah, you don't know where where the truth lies, say, with the pictures. But people who've campaigned on her behalf at the moment, they seem to be fairly optimistic. My sense is that something is happening behind the scenes and there might be another development soon. David Haig, who's the co-founder of the Free Latifah campaign, said there have been several potentially significant and positive developments in the campaign. So that gives us some hope. We can only see what happens to her. Hopefully someday she will be free. You were listening to In Focus, the current affairs podcast from independent.ie, produced by Mary Carroll and sound designed by Dara Kelly. You can like, follow and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more on this and other stories, visit independent.ie.